Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast coming to you live from Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him at Ectorval23 as our CHGO White Sox community leader. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show at CHGO underscore White Sox. We will be publishing basically every single day a report, little short video for you to watch from what happened at spring training from our great CHGO White Sox beat writer, Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. He'll be joining us in a second just because they're blasting Phil Collins at the pool. Uh, they're also blocking, uh, blasting Shaka, Shaka Collins. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. We don't know what the second song was, but we know that there's at least been a, a Genesis and a, a Shaka Khan song. So they're playing the 80s. Damn out there. They're playing the hits. Uh, we're being produced today by Sarah. Hello. Hello. Uh, make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button. Make sure you're hitting that subscribe button. We really would appreciate if you are joining the CHGO community. We're trying to grow this out. And if you do even want to go that further step, become a diehard today. We had Colin, Robert, and E uh, become a diehard. So Montourage? I've never seen that show. Oh, okay. Is it a good show? Oh, really great. Okay. Who's E? E was the Kevin Conley, the pretty much the main character. Hmm. The friend uh, slash agent of the main main character, Vin- Vinny Chase. Okay. Well, I don't know nothing about that. Ridiculous. Uh, th- thank you, though, Vinny or uh, Herb, for that uh, that entourage lesson. Uh, make sure you're hitting that like button and subscribe button. Let's go out to Arizona to our friend uh, Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Uh, we got good audio from not only Chris Getz, White Sox general manager, but Royals GM, uh, JJ Piccolo. I don't know if... Those are actually different teams, though, uh, as you know, White Sox fans like to joke. I am wearing my f- best and new uh, newest White Sox hat today, so uh, tell me all of, all of your comments in the, in the chat below. I see that. Uh, but we do have a poll for you guys to interact with. What do you give Chris Getz for this offseason? Is it a pass or fail? Because I think that most of us would say that Chris likely gets a pass. I gave him a C plus, B minus uh, when I was asked for an exact letter grade. Uh, but we heard our guy Jim Cook on the way out saying they're going to lose 100 games for sure. Uh, the line set at 62 and a half. Uh, I don't know if that really matters on whether he eclipses that number or not. But looking at this offseason, looking at his first year at the helm of being the general manager of the White Sox, Vinny, what have you made of Chris Getz's first offseason as we approach spring training? Yeah, I think the best thing I can say maybe is incomplete, uh, going off the board with a different answer there, and not because his work this offseason is still unfinished. It is, as, as we'll hear him say, as he said to us yesterday at Cactus League Media Day. But I think the idea is that this upcoming season – is going to be a learning experience. He went into this offseason not sure of what he had for the future, and they're going to figure out what they have over the course of this year. Obviously, there are some young guys that were acquired in trades that, that are a part of that figuring out process. There are some guys that you, the fan, might have very much made up your mind on after seeing them for a few years, but are still young enough and in a contract situation enough that they can still learn more about them and how they fit in or if they fit in to this team moving forward. So I think a lot of the moves that you saw this offseason were not necessarily to build up this roster to, to win and win the division in, in 2024, but it's to allow them a chance to establish an identity, to you know start the makeover of this organization while they figure out what they have. And maybe next offseason is something that allows Chris Getz to do a little bit more building for a connection tender but obviously we have to wait till we get to the end of this season to find out what happened and what he learned about this team until we can even determine whether he's going to be able to do that next offseason i give him a passing grade c minus not great but better that passes uh, i'm c minus is a pass oh so d and f is fail no fail is f fail oh. so anything up above f is a, is a pass so that's why i give him a c minus because there's upgrades you upgrade at shortstop, you upgrade at second base, you upgrade in right field, you upgrade at catcher, and from that team where all of those positions were bottom five in the major leagues, I think, uh, maybe not second base, but shortstop, right field, and catcher, definitely 100% were bottom five in total war, you've upgraded. So I think the team as a whole is a better team than the team that ended 2023. So that's, I guess, what you would look for, but the names... 
won't knock you over. You're getting the Dominic Fletchers of the world, Nicky Lopez, uh, Paul DeYoung's, Martin Maldonado. Eh, no, no one's going to be right home about that stuff. But as this team was just so bad last year, incremental steps to get a little bit better are understood. And I had my eyes on better players than the players that they brought in. But it's not their vision to bring in better players. It's their vision to bring in the players that they did bring in to play their type of baseball, which they believe will present a team that is a better team in the record book, too. And, you know, we heard from you know, that type of team, right? Uh, they're, they're raising the floor, it seems. I think Tim Anderson is a better shortstop than Paul DeYoung, so I'd push back on that. I think but he is, again, yes. I mean, maybe Paul DeYoung's a little bit steadier, but as we've seen, and I think you mentioned yesterday, then uh, it, it, it looks like Chris Getz and Pedro Grafal does want this team to play their way. It does seem like they're laying the groundwork for their team, and that's playing fast today. Is that the exact way? What, is it, what does the sign say? Play fast today. Oof. What does fast mean? Why is it underlined? Well, fast means something, guys. And I, I think, listen, we've heard from Pedro Grafol use that word all offseason and really in the beginning of spring training. And just recently in the last couple of days, we learned it's an acronym. Fast does not necessarily mean fleet of foot. Fast does not mean speedy. And we've been sitting around right for weeks and months saying, how is Aloy Jimenez and Andrew Vaughn gonna, uh, and, and the catchers they brought in going to play fast? They don't run very fast. But fast does not mean fast. Fast is an acronym. Uh, and here, let's see if I can remember it uh, without reading it off my phone. But fearless, mm-hmm. uh, aggressive, yep. selfless, yep. and technically sound. So uh, there you go. That is the acronym that Pedro Grafol has brought to camp this year. And we are seeing uh, uh, signs installed uh, across the complex that are reminding folks of that. You might have seen both myself and James Fegan, our buddy, uh, tweet those out um, earlier today. There are more to come. Uh, there are more going up within the complex and uh, just a reminder to folks I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if there's some being installed over at guaranteed rate field too just to remind the players that this is the identity and this is the uh, uh, the way that Pedro Griffel and the White Sox in general want to see this team play that's no, go ahead no, I, I think you're, <laughs> we're gonna make the same point go ahead because you're more of the stickler I as I said yesterday you know, if they put the 0.0 up as a type of a Ted Lasso believes type of thing, fine. Whatever works or whatever they think works is fine with me. But anytime as a Lion Eye slash Bears fan, I see acronyms to, you know, help a team do things that they want to do, like the Wint or win, as uh, Tim Beckman says, whatever is necessary today, <laughs> or the Hits Principle by Matt Eberflus. I get a little weary and I get a little, uh, nah, nah, that's not it. But as I said, this team lost 101 games. Whatever they believe is going to work for them, let them do it. But wouldn't it be fast? Right, thank you. I mean, Pedro Grafal is not a copywriter and did not have a past life as a copywriter. That is play fast today, uh, which is reminiscent of the hits principle, which is hustle, intensity, takeaways, and playing smart. <laughs> So, like, I don't, I just don't get why it's, like, I'm just going to be annoying. Why isn't it fearless, aggressive, selfless, and technical? Why does it have to be technically sound? Why do we need an adverb there? Just, it's like, what, uh, John, Ra- it's like John Raphael wrote it. Right. If somebody gets it, they get it. Big Ben clock. Just end it. Thank you. <laughs> right. Just look at my guy, Sean, picking up what I'm laying down. All the dopest in Pawnee, Indiana. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, hey, as long as they play fast today uh we'll, we'll really appreciate this new uh way of baseball do you think this is more pedro Grafal's saying or chris gets saying pedro yeah this is this is pedro's absolutely an original from from our guy pedro Grafal. hey we're hanging a lot of things we're hanging play fast today uh signs we're hanging up the 0.0 percent uh playoff chances i mean this is gonna be a full wall they're setting up the us against the world type of uh narrative if it works They'll be genius. If it doesn't, we're just like a same thing. They're just bad players. So little rah-rah stuff doesn't really matter to anybody. I think in the ultimate, this won't matter. But as I said, anything to get this team better than they were last year is good with me. But I'm just going to laugh at the acronyms at all times because in my history, they don't work. And it makes the person who made those acronyms up look stupid because people will automatically. Like every time I think about Tim Beckman, I think about Wint. Literally every time, not anything he's done in his career went. 
<laughs> I think that's. And he was copying Northwestern too, who already had a WIN slogan. He won quote of the year, didn't he, for that one? He did. Yeah, so good for him, man. I mean, that's that's a real honor. Uh, I, I We'll see how it works. Uh, Chris Getz uh, will try to segue in. Uh, this is uh, his his manager, but uh, Chris Getz might have been one of those bad players like you were talking about, but Chris Getz is a smart baseball player. He, he brings that IQ. It seems like they're looking for those uh, baseball IQ players, those guys that are trying to uh, do uh, wint. Yes. whatever is necessary today. today. Uh, and obviously that was noticed by the new White Sox, Mike, Mike Moustakis, but you also got the chance to talk to J.J. Piccolo in this big media scrum. Do you want to explain what this was? Because it was a loud uh, venue. Were you in a convention hall just talking to like every GM possible in Major League Baseball? Yeah, I mean, the Glendale Civic Center was the site of Cactus League Media Day, which is basically the GM meetings over again, but the managers are there too. So it's kind of a, uh, you know, you, they are all at their own little station and you can just walk around. Obviously most folks uh, will, will stick with their, their team they cover, uh, but uh, they had it in shifts. So, um, you know, was able to, to float around and, and talk to, as you mentioned, JJ Piccolo, who's running the Royals baseball department. Um, uh, and, and I mean, he's been there forever. He was a guy who I, be I believe was the uh, scouting director when I interned there back in 2012, which is many moons ago. Now I remember calling him on the phone after the draft, I believe, but uh, a guy who was part of the Royals front office when Chris gets played for the Royals. And then certainly part of the Royals front office when Chris Getz was part of the Royals front office as well. So uh, a guy who is uh, very familiar with Chris, not to mention what we've been talking about, right? The fact that there are a lot of former Royals in this front office and on this team, be it Pedro, Jin Wong, the new assistant GM, Gene Watson, or, or several others who have those connections. And you seem to be familiar with his last name more than I am because I thought it was Baby Flute, uh, Piccolo, uh, Piccolo. It's Piccolo? Uh, as I understand it, yes. Well, no, good. I, I I feel like you understand it more than I do, so that's good. Let's make yeah. that let's make that adjustment. Because I was literally going to make uh, baby flute jokes all night long. Yeah, right. Hey, I, I, we all season long too. Well, we play this four minute sound with uh, Chris Getz talking about his excitement to take over as GM approaching spring training. Also, your conversation with JJ Piccolo, where you talk about the influx of Royals to this White Sox organization. I was going to have Sarah download a P uh, Piccolo sound effect, but we just we just don't need to do that. We'll just hear from Chris Getz and his excitement. Uh, on the uh, GM job, but make sure, Sarah, that we're playing the J.J. Piccolo sound because it's kind of like 30 minutes, 30 seconds of Chris Getz, and then we got three minutes with Vinny and J.J. So here is Chris Getz on his excitement to be GM. I would say it's a, it's a pretty exhilarating feeling. Um, obviously, a, a, a large responsibility. Um, I feel very comfortable um, in the position that I am in. Um, I, I, I'm obviously continuing to learn, and that's why I look forward to every morning of you know, going to, to meetings with the staff or having conversations with players uh, and learning more about what this team uh, is going to be. Um, and But overall, yeah, I, 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 I love what I do, um, and I look forward to, to continue to build this and, and get it on track for, for the fans in Chicago. Have you known him for a while? Yeah. Thoughts on him uh, getting the job as a uh, last summer? Uh, I, I love Chris. He, he's a class individual, highly intelligent uh, player when he was with us. Really enjoyed working with him in the front office. Uh, asked a lot of questions. Very inquisitive, also very confident in his opinions on player development at the time. That's where we worked together. Uh, not surprised uh, that he was you know, giving the opportunity to be a general manager. And other than being in our same division, I'm pulling for him. <laughs> what was it like interacting with him? I mean, obviously he's been a front office guy for a while now, but what was it like interacting with him this offseason? Yeah, he's great. I mean, we can be very open with each other uh, simply because we have that type of relationship. So he's great. Uh, even talking about things that aren't necessarily between the two of us, anything else that's going on in the industry. Um, you, know, he, you know, this is my second full season uh, being at the top of baseball operations. He's going into his first. You know, so when the news first came out, I just say, hey, anything I can do to help, I, I'd love to be here as a resource for you. Um, so it's, it's just good to have a, a you know, really sort of a companion to, to really talk through the industry needs and what's happening. We were talking with Mike Moustakis, who's in Sox camp this yeah. spring, and I asked him, hey, could you see this coming when you were when those guys were yeah. in the same infield? Yeah. When he was a player, could you see this kind of future for him? Yeah, if he wanted to be. You know, I, yeah, I think Chris could have been successful in any walk of life, whatever he wanted to do. So, you know, I, when we uh, 
later, you know, he ended up saying, yeah, I want to I see where this can take me. So I'm glad that he did, and I'm not surprised that he chose to do it. Pedro Grafol, also yeah. somebody that you, you're well aware of. Uh, yeah. He's trying to kind of do something this year that's reminiscent of what he says was reminiscent of what you guys did when yeah. in 14 and 15. Is he going to be able to, to do that with what you know about him and, and what you know about kind of his background in Kansas City? Yeah, Pedro's a, another very intelligent guy, really good with player relationships. Uh, he takes a lot of pride in that. I think he's very attentive to details. Um, he was a really a key piece to our success. I mean, Ned Yost was our manager, but Pedro behind the scenes was doing a lot of work to allow Ned to be successful. So now that he's in that seat, I know he's going to rely on other guys, but second year now, you know, I'm sure there's a lot just like our manager, you know, learned last year that he's going to make improvements this year, but Pedro's going to be successful. He'll do a great job. A lot of Sox fans have seen not only Chris, Pedro, but other guys, you know, yeah. Gene Watson, Jim Long yeah. coming over, yeah. and they say, wow, that's a lot of Royals. Yeah. And, but, you know, you guys had that success, obviously, 10 years ago. What is it like to kind of see those guys kind of come back together in a new yeah. setting? It's very natural. You know, when you think about it, you can go around this room right now and look at, you know, how front offices have been put together it's based on past relationships you know for the most part i know when uh, we first came you know went from atlanta to kansas city there are a lot of people from atlanta that came to kansas city and we heard the same thing they, uh, this is atlanta west you know so i think it's very natural and, it, and, it, and it's a very natural reaction too like there's nothing wrong with the reaction but i can tell you this no no general manager no director is going to hire people who don't think they can successful. You know, Jin Wong's a highly successful executive for a long time in baseball. Gene Watson, highly successful scout in professional baseball for a long time. There's a reason why he gets he wants him. If they weren't any good, he's not going to want him working for him. So I'm not shocked by it. Um, and actually kind of happy that, that Chris gets to put some people around him that he's worked with in the past and he's sort of building his circle of trust. You know, that you got to have some people you can confide in at the highest level and those two guys represent it. We use the word Oski not just because... Oh, that's the full thing. Okay. Uh, anyways, yeah, we, we were reminiscing uh, during <laughs> more uh, acronyms, and <laughs> we use the word Oski is also one that Herb can explain later. Uh, but good job with J.J. Piccolo, and I thought it was uh, his best response there was, you know, people are so worried about the Royals' connection with the White Sox. Uh, but, you know, he answered in what makes logical sense. It's a small world. The baseball world's a small world, and Chris Getz knows probably a certain amount of people in the baseball world. They just happen to be with the Royals. It doesn't mean that, you know, uh, it's going to be a, a conspiracy to, like, change the uniforms to the light blue and maybe name it Kauffman Stadium uh, over in the 78 district, right? Yeah, of course. And I think the way that, that J.J. put it there, you, like you said, makes complete sense. Like, you're given the reins. You're going to bring in the folks that that you trust and that you know that you know are going to do the job that you want to do. Right. I mean, this isn't just, um, you know, like, you know, I think I said it yesterday about the guys that they brought in. It's not just as simple as we need the guy who hit, uh, you know, X, X number of batting average and X number on base percentage. It doesn't matter who it is. As long as he has that on base percentage, plug him in and we'll do exactly what we want to do. No, it goes beyond that. And it goes beyond, it goes to playing a certain type of style, knowing that that guy is capable of playing that style. And I think the same thing, the same logic applies to the front office and the hires that Chris gets has made. You, you need the certainty that those people are going to be able to help you execute the vision that you want to see. And, you know, I think I've said it over and over again this offseason too. The Royals have been successful in terms of winning a World Series 10 years more recently than the White Sox have been. Like, it, it is not a uh, – these are not guys who, you know – these are people who, who all have experienced success. And just because they aren't from the front office that won the World Series in the last two or three years doesn't mean that they are not successful people. So I think that uh, it was explained perfectly by someone who very much knows all of those guys, you know, uh, uh, from, from their days in Kansas City. And not only that, put in terms of think about it in general. Think about it if somebody gets hired tomorrow to run the – you know, brewers and they worked for the Rangers, they're going to hire a bunch of people who work for the Rangers because they have firsthand knowledge of what they can do. And understood. And that's half the reason why I didn't like 
Chris gets to be the general manager, but he is the guy. So, yeah, it makes sense that you hire people you're familiar with or people you're familiar with give the okay on that person. But, yeah, it's reason why you shouldn't have had Chris Getz with the limited uh, knowledge that he has have in baseball as a whole to be their general manager of a team that needs to compete versus everybody. So, yeah, I would have gone with a more experienced hand, a person that knew the whole league so they could have more resources to gather from and say, oh, okay, that person in New York knows this person who was in Miami, who knew that person was in L.A., had has more of an extensive uh, background like Kim Ng. But we're here in now, so I'm just, you know, bitching about something that happened a long time ago. But whatever. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I think that you especially look at his two top hires and Brian Bannister and Josh Barfield, both of those I think get A grades. Like oh, I, yeah, I, I don't hires. know. I mean, it's it's not like he picked bad people to come with him. No, those like, are good I, hires. I I agree with those I'm, are good hires. I don't know anything about Gene Watson. I don't know anything about uh, Jin Wong. Right? I'm not sure what they're going to bring. But as long as they bring professionalism and you know they're able to play fast today, uh, you know that's going to be great. Uh, as long as they can contribute to the White Sox way, that's, that's going to be good to hear. And hey, uh, we got 28 so far, uh, 28 votes so far in our poll. What do you think of Chris Getz's off season? 71% of those 28 votes have it as a pass, only uh, 29% as a fail. We're going to hear from Chris Getz right after this break. We got 15 minutes of Chris Getz right before his first spring training kicks off. Before that, we want to let you know about our friends over at CD1 Price Cleaners, our unique friends over at CD1 Price Cleaners that will offer you low prices and a simple, transparent service. Customers save over 30% on their dry cleaning bill by switching over to CD1 Price Cleaners, and other cleaners charge a different price for ED each garment for every garment i was going to say each i guess it would work uh it's in the name every uh oh boy at every <laughs> cd1 price cleaners they charge one low price for any garment this is why you don't like ad lip this is why you don't go off script like uh, what what am i doing here i can't tap dance uh (laughs) we charge one low price for any garment even sports jerseys luke stuckmeyer brought up today hey maybe you spill uh some mustard on your nick madrigal white socks and you can't get it out like me right uh oh oh, yeah you got the lawrence one right i'm definitely taking a cd1 cleaner take it to cd1 price cleaners because they have the one low price to offer you and a fast turnaround cd1 price cleaners has your order ready the same day or next day other cleaners take two to four days to have your clean garments ready and they'll offer you text alerts as well when your order is ready for pickup they also offer dry cleaning they'll wash and fold your laundry they'll wash your blanket and comforters because your laundry at home or washer at home likely isn't large enough to fit that stuff they'll also tailor and alter your garments if you need to they'll clean your leather and they'll also clean your big area rug you can't do that but cd1 price cleaners can so visit chgo.cdone.com the link is also in the description once there you can pick from an in-store coupon or online pickup and you can also have a delivery coupon option so a lot of offers over at chgo.cd1.com go check the link in the description thank you very much when our sales guy jim told us that our beer was going to be line of kugels this year i damn near fell out of my chair because if you know me you know that i rock with line of kugel for a minute now Nothing says the summer to me than hanging out with your people at a ball game or a cookout with some summer shandy i mean it is the summer beer, but I know you're saying, Herb, summer's way away, even though we had some great weather today. What beers can I have on an everyday basis for Line of Kugel? Well, I'm glad you asked me, because Line of Kugel, you have the original lager, the light lager, Lakeside Cherry, which I'm drinking right now, or the one that I drank earlier, Sunset Wheat, Juicy Peach, Berry Weiss, Northwoods Amber, Dark Lager, and so many more. Like I said, I was enjoying yesterday some Honey Weiss, which is made with real Wisconsin honey. So you know it's good. And I've tried many of their beers, and you know that Line and Kugel brings the flavor no matter what the season is. For over 150 years, Line and Kugel has been combining German brewing traditions with Wisconsin innovation. You don't have to pick just one. Line and Kugel's popular variety packs come with four flavors so you can try and enjoy. Flavor life's simple moments with Line and Kugel's. The official craft beer of the Chicago White Sox. Go to liney.com slash chgo to find delivery options near you. That's l-e-i-n-i-e dot c dot com slash chgo or pick up Lining Kugels pretty much anywhere they sell beer. Lining Kugels, flavor the moment, celebrate responsibly. The Jacob Lining Google, uh, sorry, the late Jacob, uh, three, two, one. The Jacob Lining Kugel Brewing Company, Chippewa Falls, 
Wisconsin. Thank you very much, Herb. Uh, all right, let's get into Chris Getz here. We got 15 minutes of Chris Getz speaking before his first spring training, uh, and Chris Getz was first asked. Uh, oh, boy, this is not where I had it. Oh, I didn't have it. Okay. Uh, Chris Getz is, I am not a professional. What the hell? Um, where did I start this? This is great. Uh Da, 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 da. Oh, God. Uh, we skipped the C stuff. This is awesome. Oh, uh, Vinny asked a great question about long-term plans, and he asked, what can you learn uh, as it pertains to long-term plans? That's not it, though. Hold on. Wait. Just go with your gut. No, I'm not, but it, my gut's wrong. Okay. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, I switched it because Lamont Pope has a very quiet voice, so I just did it this way so I can introduce it better. Uh, what have been the highlights of the f- early full squad uh, workouts? I'm sorry, everybody. To a man, every every player has shown up in, in, in great shape. They look prepared. I've been really impressed with the staff uh, and how thoughtful they've been on a daily basis. Um, you know, it's, it's efficient days, but purposeful. And just very organized overall, and, and I think anyone that's been around camp has, has gotten that similar sense. Uh, and, and ultimately, uh, you know, when we start playing games, that'll be kind of the first test in, in, in regards to the uh, preparedness, uh, both from the staff and the players. And we'll just kind of go from there. Um, you know, most importantly, opening day is, is uh, you know the game we're focused on uh, the most. And uh, but so far, so good. I, it's it's been fun. It's it's been a, a um, really motivating environment. I think everyone looks forward to going to the field every day, uh, regardless of who they are, and, and that's obviously a good sign in regards to creating the right environment. You, you talk a lot about a, a long-term plan for this team, and what do you hope to learn this year that will inform what that long-term plan is? Well, we, we, we certainly have, you know, just speaking about the 2024 club, they're, they're, we've got a lot of players that have a fair amount to prove. Um, and I spoke about it the other day in regards to proving to themselves, um, you know, that they can, they, that they're uh, impactful uh, major league players. Um, in terms of taking shape for the future, um, you know, we, we still have, uh, whether it be Louis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, Andrew Vaughn, uh, Yoan Moncada, um, now with Dominic Fletcher and Zach Deloach and Oscar Colas, um, you know, some of the younger pitchers that we have in camp uh, in, our, in our roster now, um, we need to find out what they're capable of doing on a regular basis at the major league level, and that'll provide clarity on, on where we need to go and how do we improve moving forward. So uh, they understand that. They're looking forward to that, and I look forward to, to watching as well. I feel it's important to address the team yourself as far as what direction we can yeah, I felt that that was important. Um, you know, with all the changes that we've had, you know, since September, let's call it, I, I, and now to have, you know, whether it be our new front office staff, uh, new coaches, um, employees up and down the organization, all the new faces, along with with uh, some some different faces on the roster. Um, you know, it, it comes for me in regards to shaping our leadership team, uh, the direction of the club, and. and I think it was vital for, for our club, for our players to hear me uh, speak. And, and obviously, I've got a tremendous support staff, um, extension all the way to Pedro and the staff, and, and they'll carry out what our core values are and what we're set out to do. Were you nervous? Uh, a little nervous, um, and I, I, I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, to just to understand the responsibility that I have and, and the words and the direction that I give is, I think, very vital for the organization. So you want to, more than anything, uh, just you want to make sure that the message is clear um, and that is authentic. Um, and, you know, from the feedback that I got from players and staff, it was really positive. Um, you know, a lot went into it. Um, certainly spoke from the heart. And, that they felt that there's a true plan here and they're going to go out there and do their thing. I think his payroll doesn't equal a championship, obviously, but I think a lot of fans maybe every offseason probably have their hearts set on some big ticket items. Is what you talked about earlier, the things that you hope to learn this year, does that inform maybe what the spending decisions are come next offseason? Yes, we, we, we need to establish uh, who we are. Um, and obviously we've got a lot of players that, that are playing for something. And, you know, through that process, we'll get a stronger
stronger understanding of where where we need to improve, where we need to add and enhance to this team. Um, and if that means in the free agency market, uh, so be it. And we'll do that. And I know I'll get great support with uh, you know any any decision that needs to be made in the future. Hi, Chris. What can a healthy Aloy Jimenez do for your team in 2024? Thanks. I mean, you just look back at, at the production that, that that he's brought to the table when healthy last year. Uh, you know, knock on wood, and thankfully he he the only time he missed was for truly his appendectomy, his soft tissue issues. Um, you know, were, were I think we hope that are behind him. Um, I think he has a stronger understanding of what it takes to play on a daily basis. Uh, obviously, he's a he, he's, his potential is through the roof offensively. Uh, now, to, to be able to reap the rewards of, of his offensive potential, he needs to be able to, to play on a daily basis. So, uh, it's his job and it's our job to keep him on the field. How much did you have to uh, personally get involved in like talking to the strength and conditioning people about him in particular and trying to get his lower half back so that he could uh, you know, hit balls out of the ballpark again? Yeah, I mean, more than anything, it's really been health-based. There has been some physical adjustments to his uh, his mechanics and, and his swing. Um, you know, he, he's spoken about his, you know, being unhappy with his ground ball percentage. Um, and, you know, he, he, I think he's made some adjustments to, to kind of close that gap. Um, you know, he, he's got the ability to hit the ball hard. I mean, you look at the exit velocity numbers. Um, it's just a matter of hitting more line drives that'll turn into home runs uh, and just being the, and being that impactful bat in our lineup. Um, you know, our, our our coaches and our strength coaches, ATCs, medical, the you know, kind of the, the engine that, that makes us go. Um, everyone's on the same page. Uh, we communicate regularly and, you know, we're going to try to maximize the talent that's in there. Chris, Andrew Vaughn and Eloy Jimenez have always been scouted to have more power than they've shown in the major leagues. How do you lower their high ground ball rates? You know, it's case to case. It depends on, you know, one thing could be point of contact. Another thing could be a swing plane. Um, another could be a setup and, and where they are uh, in the box and, and closest to the plate. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different factors. Um, you know, there isn't necessarily one absolute for every player. Um, doesn't necessarily apply to everyone. And, you know, sometimes you're not right with the, the, the initial try, but um, you got to make adjustments along the way. But, um, yeah, with, with when it comes to Eloy, a lot of it had, to come to, had a lot to do with both the, the uh, swing path and point of contact. It's been a long time now in this organization for Michael Kopech, eventful, obviously. But w- when you think about the capabilities that he has to become the pitcher that everybody kind of thought he was going to be when he first came over in that trade, what do you see and what have you seen in the spring? I mean, he's he's looked excellent. I mean, he's, uh, from a velocity standpoint, obviously that's not everything. He's throwing 96, 97. Um, you know, he, he, he's a guy that has had a very smooth offseason. Um, there haven't been any hiccups. His preparation's been great. Um, he's been very sharp. He's throwing strikes. Um, he's throwing all his off-speed stuff uh, in an effective manner. And, you know, he threw, threw a, uh, a live BP today, and, and he certainly stood out. So, uh, you know, obviously we've got some time, time on our hands before uh, the first series in Chicago, but it's very encouraging. Um, he's in a very good headspace. Physically, he's in a good spot. And, you know, we're gaining confidence every day. Flexen's an ideal example, but there's certainly other other players that, or other pitchers that we have in camp um, that we, you know, identified this offseason. Um, and perhaps there was a change in someone's arsenal, both intentionally or unintentionally. Um, and then you have more conversations with that player and get an understanding of, of why those changes perhaps have happened or they haven't uh, happened. And, and, you know, that's part of the, the uh, attraction of, of bringing in someone like Chris Flexen um, or, you know, you've got a Corey Kniebel, uh, you've got a Schuster, um, you've got, uh, you know, a boatload of arms. 
firms that are excited to come here because of, you know, Brian Bannister or, you know, working with Ethan Katz and Matt Wise. It's a it's a pretty strong uh, pitching uh, department. And, you know, it, I, I will say from uh, in comparison to prior years, uh, pitchers were pretty excited to, to come to the White Sox. After you guys added Flexen in the offseason, you said the expectation was for him to be part of this rotation. Is, is that still the expectation? Is he kind of a, a top candidate in that competition? Yeah, I would, I would say so. The idea is for, for, for Chris to be a starter for us. And, um, you know, we, 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 we like the fact that we have competition in the building. I think that's healthy uh, for, for all professional athletes. Um, Based on his skill set um, and the the potential of, of you know his pitch mix and his experience, uh, we'd like to give him a solid runway as a starter with us. Everyone here says they want this to turn around sooner than later, as soon as possible. Is it conceivable to be this time next year talking very specifically about feeling ready to compete in the division, or is that is that too soon to really? How much, how much can you clarify where you're at? say, you know, we expect to win X amount of games um, or, or, you know, a guarantee of winning a division or a World Series, anything like that. It's more so uh, taking care of the business on a, the, the baseball business on a daily basis, preparing our players, uh, you know, minimizing the noise that exists for, for uh, a major league club. And, you know, as time goes on, more players kind of buy into that process and, and you look up and you, you just start stacking wins on top of each other and you're knocking on the door for a division. Um, yeah, and we're, we're going to continue to nurture and maintain that process. Do you think there'll be a need to divvy up the playing time in, in right field or is, is Fletcher kind of the guy going to get the opportunity to be the guy out there or, you know, is it going to be a lefty-righty platoon kind of thing? What do you, what do you see is happening out there? Yeah, Fletcher, you know, he has a leg up. He does. Um, you know, considering where he's at uh, in his career, the, the body of work in the minor leagues, he's gotten a taste of the big leagues and had some success. Um, you know, we've got, I, I think our depth has really improved in the outfield. Um, you know, but Dom, Dom's going to get a strong look, and but we'll see how, uh, you know, the, the, the outfield as a whole plays out. Um, you know, there's a lot of different factors that go into it. But it's been very encouraging so far. I think it's going to be a healthy competition. But Dom looks really good, and you know, look forward to seeing the, the, the yeah the whole outfield kind of take shape as time goes on. With Fletcher coming from the same place that Josh Barfield came from, what was Barfield's input on that trade specifically? You know, Josh was vital. Uh, you know, in in that discussion with, with Arizona, uh, there's no one in our organization that's going to understand the makeup of the players more than Josh. So we certainly leaned on him a fair amount, um, and so far been very impressed. And it matches up with what uh, you know Josh was saying in the off season. Um, you know the work ethic seems strong. Um, you know the way that he mixes in with his teammates, but most importantly, you know you look at the physicality that he can bring to the the, the box, and then the alertness defensively, um, the versatility. It's all there. So uh, yeah, he's a fun one to have in camp. And obviously, there's a lot of go, goes into any acquisition. You know, we've got scouting reports, we've got analytic breakdown, we've got projection systems um, that all are, are uh, variables to, to a decision. Um, you know, it, it's it's really about what he can do on the field more than than, than his appearance. Um, you know, I, I think players of his size historically have gotten overlooked, uh, but certainly not, this is not the case because we were. You know, he was a player that we targeted and excited to have him here. Did Oscar Colas get done what you guys wanted him to get done this, this winter? Yeah, Oscar looks good. He does. Um, you know, you can already tell he's a little bit more comfortable than he was last year. Um, you know, I, I'm talking to Marcus. He, he's very encouraged with the, the work that he's put on, put into the to his cage work, to on the field. 
Um, you know, we'll, we look forward to, to seeing how that plays out in spring training. Obviously, a very talented player, um, and it looks to, he looks to have made some quality adjustments this offseason and look forward to seeing how it plays out for him. Is he, is he someone who, you know, has the ability to impress you guys enough to get another major league shot sometime during the season? Absolutely. You know, it, you know, obviously, you know, his experience last year wasn't, you know, up to his standards. Um, and But that's not uncommon for young players to, to come up to the big leagues and, um, you know, face some adversity. And, and the hope is that he uses that adversity to, to make the proper adjustments. Um, you know, playing at the stage, the, the stage of a major league level is, is uh, can be a, a tricky transition. Um, but, you know, the best players uh, use any sort of struggle along the way um, and, and, you know, channel that into in being a, a future productive major league player. Ben Attendee Bigger, Ben Attendee Swole, what you think? Yeah, physically, he, he, he looks really good. We had a conversation in September um, about, you know, how, how do we improve upon, uh, you know, the 2023 season? And I, I think, uh, you know, one of the, the focuses for him was to physically, um, you know, improve his body to be more athletic defensively, certainly offensively, and it's shown so far. I, I, it's definitely, you know, from my standpoint, an encouraging sign. He seems locked in and motivated, and, uh, you know, I know he's excited about, um, you know, the future here with the White Sox. He's a very capable player, well-rounded. He, he can defend. He can run the bases. He's got on-base ability. His bat-to-ball skills are strong. Um, so we'll, we'll just con- continue to keep him on track. Yeah, really. I'm sorry about that last question. I had to overdub some of them and I had some fun with that last one. Okay. Um, Sue me. Um, Anyways, what's the biggest takeaway you think from that gets briefing, especially on the major league part? Because there was some stuff that we did cut out uh, when it it regards to Colson Montgomery and some of the minor league players, but specifically when he's talking about the major league team, uh, what was the big takeaway then? Yeah, I mean, I think every time, anytime the GM talks, it's going to be big picture stuff like I was referencing earlier. Obviously, we did get some details that are going to be very valuable, I think, in terms of projecting what this roster is going to look like by the end of March and trying to figure out what the next few weeks of camp are going to look like and really what this team is looking for in terms of those individual players. But for me, it's, it's always going to be when we're hearing from the GM – what direction are you taking this team in and, and what do you think is realistic for us to be evaluating you on uh, when he's talking about a long-term plan? We want to know when the long-term, I guess, begins, right? Or, or, or when, when that uh, time that a winning time is going to come around, when does that going to get here? And when do you, the GM, think it is going to get here? So we'll see uh, exactly what that ends up looking like because, as I mentioned, there's so much that they have to learn about this team this year. But I think that him saying that and him voicing that allows us to frame our questions and our analysis in a way uh, that is that is helpful to, to helping folks understand where this team is going. The Dominic Fletcher having the leg up uh, quote stuck out to me. I know Vinny had tweeted that last night from uh, that press conference. It's just we kind of knew that, but it seems like they're going to give him every chance to win this job outright. And we saw that last year where Oscar Colas was given pretty much a month to do his thing. And then it was just like, all right, you're not ready for it. Get your ass back to the minor leagues. This year, it seems like the White Sox have more reinforcements if that were to happen again. I think Oscar Colas stuff was more knucklehead stuff, not listening stuff. So if Dominic Fletcher does fail, it'll be probably more of he didn't do it on the field and he's just really poor or this and or the other guy behind him is doing well in the minor leagues so I think uh, Dominic Fletcher giving getting the leg up to me was the uh, money quote right there well we're gonna have some more newer stuff on the 78 we just had the statement yesterday from the Sox and uh, uh, what is it related Midwest mm-hmm. I want to see reality Midwest but it's <laughs> related Midwest but Cranes just posted a very juicy article that posted five min- 15 minutes before we started. I just read it and read some of the pieces uh, while we were playing that Chris Getz stuff. That's going to be more a part of the show uh, right after our next break. So let's just finish out any Getz thoughts. And one final thing that stuck out, that Chris Flexen quote, Flexen's an ideal example of what they're trying to look for in rebuilding new pitchers. And this money quote of Chris Getz saying, I will say, in comparison to prior years, pitchers were pretty excited to come to the White Sox. Uh, 
that's obviously encouraging. I obviously have been a big fan of Brian Bannister, but it seems like the league's a big fan of Brian Bannister. And it does seem too like we hear so much about competition, competition, competition. They got 70 guys in camp who all think that they can have a starting position in this job. Maybe not all of them, maybe not Adam Hackenberg, but you know what I'm saying right there. Uh, like it, it does seem uh, at least there was a lot of push for Chris Flexen being a starter as, as you followed up with there, Vinny. So uh, some positive Flexen stuff, some po- positive Dominic Fletcher stuff, but also just more positivity on uh, Brian Bannister. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the, 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 the words that have stuck with me through camp about Bannister have been from John Brebbia, who obviously worked with him in uh, San Francisco, saying, uh, hey, to say this guy is the best at what he does is a huge understatement. And I mean, listen, this is these are pitchers who um, we've talked about it so much in the past. They're constantly looking to get better, constantly looking to make any little tweak that will give them the edge over the hitters. Uh, you know, they're hungry to learn. They're hungry to hear this. Uh, and here's Brian Bannister, a guy who seemingly is bringing pitchers to him to to learn from him, to try to get this experience. We see him coaching these guys up in a very in-depth fashion. Um, the the experience of, of Brian Bannister has been very noticeable here uh, throughout camp. It was very noticeable in the offseason when they brought in guys like Chris Flexen and like plenty of others, obviously. But um, to see this as a go from, because what did we hear Chris Getz also say fairly recently, right? He said the defense of this White Sox team was making some pitchers hesitant about coming to play. So in less than a year, we've seen it go from, Pitchers saying, I don't know about going to the White Sox. That defense behind me is not going to uh, make it very easy for me to pitch. To Chris Getz saying, pitchers said, I want to come here because I want to work with the guys who are on this pitching, pitching coaching staff and can help me turn into the best version of myself. Do you have anything more on Guts? Okay, we're going to take a break in a second. We got over 60 people watching, only 23 likes. Shout out Andrew Benatendi. Uh, if you are going to, or if you have been watching, you're able to hit the like button uh, while we take that break. We really appreciate it. If you are watching, uh, make sure you're hitting the thumbs up button. Thank you to Matthew Cortese for his super chat. Uh, $10 super chat. Thank you guys for all your work. Thank you, Matthew, for always uh, being in the comments and always chatting and being a part of our community. Uh, the only other thing that I really want to hit on with this uh, Gets thing, and uh, we don't really even need a follow-up unless you, get, you think there's more more uh, to follow up on there, Vin. Uh, but speaking of Brian Bannister, we thought that his previous relationship with Michael Kopech would be effective. And I don't know how my guy, Bruce Levine, follows up the answer that Chris Getz gives on Michael Kopech with, you think he's going to be a closer? He look, this is Getz on Kopech. He's looked excellent from a velocity standpoint. And obviously that's not everything. He's throwing 96-97. He's a guy that has very had a very smooth offseason. Uh, there haven't been any hiccups. His preparation has been great. He's been very sharp. He's throwing strikes. He's throwing all of his off-speed stuff in an effective manner. He threw a live BP today and certainly stood out. Obviously, we got some time on our hands before the first series in Chicago, but it's very encouraging. He's in a very good headspace. Physically, he's in a good spot, and we're gaining confidence every day. He is 27 years old. Obviously, Soroka's younger, but Kopech's still oozing potential. We see that fastball and Bruce follows it up by saying, well, he's a guy that, you know, come the fourth or fifth inning, he starts to fade. That's not the truth. Bruce, who are you crapping? We obviously he's not reading AJ Patel's uh, report on, you know, stuff by innings because we brought up Michael Kopech's fastball when he was in the sixth inning, when he's in the seventh inning, when he was in the eighth inning, his fastball stuff plus was like 120. It was his stuff. His fastball got better as the game went on. So like, The fact that he's in this physical spot, the fact that he's in this mental spot, the fact that he's got a better coach in Brian Bannister, he should have the longest runway of the White Sox. He should be the the, the ace on this team. I guess Fetty is getting paid more. Fetty's going to be around. But, I mean, hey, if Fetty's pitching well by July, he might be traded off the team. Like, I don't know. Like, Kopech is really, like, the true gem of what Brian Bannister, I think, is working on in, here in Chicago, if he's able to really elevate Michael Kopech like he was Logan Webb, who really wasn't thought of highly before he started working with Brian Bannister, let's go. I mean, that's what White Sox fans have been waiting for, and we know the potential is just oozing from Michael Kopech. He's only 27. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's made over, what, 50 starts in the past two years. Let's have him have a good year of starting. Like, let's continue to build him up, and let's stop this whole closer talk. I'm down. You know me. Because, yeah, his most value is coming from being a starting pitcher. And if you can be a starting pitcher to some effect, and if you get past the fifth inning, those sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth innings are pretty good for Michael Kopech. 
But okay, you want to continue? Well, no, I just wanted to let. I just wanted to give you a little segue. Do you yeah. think that at the new stadium, uh, Game Time will be giving us great, great, great discounts, or do you think Jerry's going to be, uh, you know, the Grinch and uh, hold us back from uh, getting the best deals possible? This is the great thing. Game time, not owned by Jerry Reinstorf. Oh, so good. They believe that you shouldn't be having to worry about when you're buying your next ticket to the big, next big event. Because game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, theater events near you. And with killer last-minute deals, this is where you get the good deals from Game Time, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. You could buy tickets like I did when I went to Atlanta. With the security of knowing that if you search any other site and if they have a better price, Game Time will send you 110% of that difference of that price. All in pricing shows you the total up front, so you know you're getting a great deal without the hidden fees. And Game Time has deals of tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after the event starts. It's the place to be to find last minute seats and find exclusive flash deals, sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. With zone deals, you pick the section, game time picks the seats for an average of 18% of savings. And as I told you before, the game time guarantee means that you'll get the best price. You find the tickets in the same section in row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference like they did for me back in 2022. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you, Herb. And if you are in the market for a new vehicle, we have some great news for you. Our partner at Ray, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram in Fox Lake is celebrating the President's Day sales event all month long. And do you know what that means, Herb? And do you know what that means, Herb? I don't. Tell me, Sean. You'll be able to shop President Savings on their wide selection of inventory for a limited time. Get 20% off MSRP on all remaining new 2023 Jeep Gladiator models with dealer discount. Quote, they're the number one for new vehicle quality among midsize trucks. End quote, says J.D. Power. And that's not all. Shop their last call on select Dodge Challenger and Charger models. Dodge is the most powerful muscle car brand, so you don't want to miss out on their last call with over 20 Dodge muscle cars to choose from. At Ray CDJR, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventory and drive home with more money in your pocket than you'd expect thanks to Ray's price promise. And don't miss out. Shop great deals all month long and save big because Ray CDJR makes buying a new vehicle more affordable than ever. And that's not all. Just listening to CHGO is going to get you a free oil change when you mention CHGO at the service center or mention CHGO when you book online at Ray CDJR slash service. But you have to schedule before February 29th. You got eight more days to go schedule a free oil change with our friends at Ray CDJR. For more information, go visit Ray CDJR in Fox Lake or RayCDJR.com, serving the community since 1963. Okay, so we had this statement that Vinny posted on Twitter last night from the White Sox and Jerry Reinsdorf, and I was going to plan on reading it, and we were planning on just being like, uh, you know... Uh, taxpayer money and hotels. Uh, but Cranes has been putting in that work. And apparently Greg Hines. Yep. Okay. Had Hines. Either way. Had an hour long talk over lunch today with Jerry Reinsdorf. And Sarah, do we have the graphic that I posted in Slack? Uh, oh, you're all good. It's, it's in Slack. Uh, we have three reasons. We have Jerry Reinsdorf's three reasons on why he is uh, confident that He's going to get public funding for this new stadium. <laughs> number one, and this is from Crane's Chicago business of Craig Hins. Uh, number one, the team cannot succeed where it is currently located. Ugh. So Jerry Reinsdorf thinks that guaranteed rate, even though it's fairly new, built in 1991, it is not going to help the team succeed. Number two, the team will be sold after Jerry passes. New owners could be interested in another city, so securing a stadium would secure a future for the Chicago White Sox. And third, the stadium would serve as a anchor for the stalled 78 project, giving the Chicago community at least more money from a dead area and possibly give them something to, to do, but also 
what does that then do to the area of Bridgeport? What does that do to 35th and Shields? Does that just take away from one na- neighborhood and just move it, move business a little bit closer? So what do we make of Jerry Reinsdorf's three reasonings? Her- I mean, if he theoretically believes that they can't compete in the current stadium they're in, which is not true at all, um, we, they've won a championship in that stadium. But like digress, if he believes that, his money works. That, that, that money spins. And if he doesn't have enough, there's a thing called banks. He can go and get a loan off of his wealth or his assets and just go off that. He doesn't have to go in all money or all cash. He can have other people pay for his stadium while he pays them people back instead of us, John Q. taxpayer. So, yes, if you believe that you can't compete there, which is a lie, you finance that damn stadium. Number two, what was that uh, reason? Sarah, can you uh, the, put that up there again? The, after, Jerry, after Jerry passes, uh, Michael will likely sell the team. And if there isn't a future secured for the White Sox with a new stadium, new owners might be lured by Nashville money or a, a new city. Nashville, as I said before, 30% of $9 million, which is the Chicagoland area, if you say that Sox fans are only 30% of this whole area, that's being very, very generous to the Cubs. It's greater than 1.5, which is the greater natural area, the 100% of the natural area, which you're not going to get. So I'm not worried about some team taking a flagship American League team from the city that it started in the American League to a garbage city in Nashville. Like Nashville is small and it's all Airbnbs. No one's moving their good city or their good team from a great city to there. Why would they? That's just a dumb thing. So that's strike number two. And, yeah, if you do pass, you could do it before you pass, Jerry. If you don't want the team, buy. Trade it. Give it away to somebody right now. Like, I don't understand why we have to invest in keeping the team here just because you think the new owners will move it somewhere else. There's not a good a lot of good cities that it, they could move to. We're the open ones. Vegas, which is getting the A's, but it's kind of shaky. Nashville, who cares? Portland, Oregon. Well, no, 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 no offense, Matthew Cortese. That's not Chicago. None of these other cities. Montreal, no. Where are we going? Nowhere. Come on now. I have not seen this story, so I, I'm not going to comment on the details of it. Obviously, I was setting up for the show when it was posted. I've been on the show the whole time. Uh, I have not gotten a chance to read it yet, so I don't want to comment on really any of it. But, uh, you know, what I was going to say is that, you know, I I keep going back to the point of, you know, Herb, you can get as mad as you want about public money. And I can, you know, have the opinion that I have. Everybody can have the opinion that they have in terms of taxpayer money. Um, You look around professional sports, these deals tend to get done. Uh, And, and, and I will caution uh, folks to one more thing, which I have said before on this show, but I'll say it again. Just because of uh, uh, the eye of the storm currently doesn't mean that things are going to end up that way, right? I mean, this is a process that plays out sometimes over the course of years. Look what's going on with the Bears, uh, you know, in, in their quest for a new stadium as well. We've been in it for years. There's still no end in sight to a decision on where they're going to end up playing. Um, this is uh, something that fires people up for various reasons, and it, it, sh- it should probably, but uh, remember that the news of the day, every single day, isn't the, uh, the end point. And uh, we'll, we'll see the end point many, many moons from now. Uh, uh, but uh, the, the, the following the blow by blow um, can, be, um, can be problematic in terms of your mental health, maybe sometimes, uh, if you're going to keep doing that uh, every, every single time a bit comes out. But this is interesting that Jerry was able to give this interview. How about how about that man going down to Springfield begging people for leather jacket? Oh God, how how embarrassing, how pathetic! A billionaire going to lawmakers down in the state capitol asking for money, just well, man, like just hat in hand, just embarrassing. So Vin, you bring up though that like you know hanging on to every punch, every blow, every. Uh, peace is going to be bad for my mental health, which you're absolutely right. Um, It's going to shake me to my core. But you also talk about maybe like this isn't going to be something that happens soon. Uh, I know you mentioned you haven't read the article. 
Jerry Reinsdorf indicated he's on a fast track. Have you heard that before? Hoping to begin preliminary construction work later this year and play in the new stadium by 2028. So it does seem like Jerry has his foot on the pedal. The biggest thing, though, that I have to just, that's driving me crazy is that first point. The first point that right now the team cannot succeed where it is. Jerry said, the economics of baseball have completely changed with top ball players signing contracts worth as much as $700 million at the location we're at now where we cannot generate the revenue needed to pay those salaries. Um, Reinsdorf denied that the real problem is poor performance by his team even after winning the World Series in 2005 Quote, we didn't crack the 3 million attendance mark, something that series winners routinely accomplish. The reason why I just have an issue with that is obviously, again, Reinsdorf mentioned, uh, where is it? Oh, I'm sorry, folks. Uh, I just want to make sure that I'm not screwing it. Uh, Yeah, Reinsdorf consistently argued in this lunch today that his goal is not to make money, but field a winning team. Stop it. So I don't understand that. It, you you don't have the attendance to pay for those salaries, but if you want to field a winning team, wouldn't you then try to get better players to then maybe draw up attendance? I don't get that. And then, Vinny, you asked Chris Getz, what can you learn this year to inform next year's offseason spending decisions? Getz said, we need to establish who we are, which I think is fine. Obviously, we got a lot of players that are playing for something. And through that process, we'll get a stronger understanding of what we need to improve, where we need to add and enhance this team. And if that means the free agency market, so be it. We'll do that. And I know I'll get great support with any decision that needs to be made in the future. So it doesn't seem like attendance is going to be around that 3 million mark. Doesn't seem like the White Sox are going to be filling house. I really don't think that money's going to be there for Chris Getz when Jerry Reinsdorf says he needs a brand new stadium. Maybe he'll get the stadium by the end of the year. So, hey, I won't have to worry about any of this. Jackie it stole exactly what I was going to say. Jerry Reinsdorf in the hostume, uh, hot dog costume saying, man, we're all just trying to find out the guy who did this, who built this stadium. Who would say these plans for guaranteed rate field when he had the Camden Yards uh, plans in front of him and he rejected those outright? Oh, my God. We're all trying to find out that small ass stadium and the terrible stadium that he built up golly just enough of this guy just enough of him he's just so disappointing as an owner he talks on both sides of his mouth saying i want the fans to win i want to do this fast for the fans but then also hey fans how about you fight for my damn stadium cool break it just re, he's just refinancing the loan he has now for a longer period, a longer term. That's all he's doing. Oh, and he talks about how he's interested in working with the ISFA. So let's let's go. How about you work with them and by providing most of the money? Yeah, not gonna happen. Uh, my biggest fear before I saw this today, I was thinking, getting all like galaxy brained and, and worried, thinking that he would be going to. Springfield and being like, can I have $1 billion? Mm. Like, can I have this absurd amount of money? And then when he's like, well, I tried to build a stadium. They wouldn't give me the money. He would then go to a Nashville because expansion is coming. Uh, Jeff Passan wrote that two new teams are coming. So it, it, it like, I think it's the reverse of what was happening. And this is changed a little bit since this cranes thing but i thought maybe it's the reverse of 1980 tampa had a stadium ready tampa was ready to welcome a baseball team it's kind of the opposite nashville seems to be waiting for mlb to expand jerry's like oh well it's not gonna work in chicago they won't give me one billion dollars like one word deuces Enjoy Tennessee. But no, like deuces. Like, so someone was like, Sean, you, why do you do this show if you hate the White Sox? I would be in so much pain if the White Sox went to Nashville. Fuck that. Like, fuck that, fuck that, fuck that, fuck that. That team's been in Chicago since 1901. And it's uh, one of the first, what, uh, not it's, franchise. It's, it's one of the flagship, first yeah. flagship, flagship uh, teams of the AL. Uh, hopefully the new stadium, if built, will host the 100 All-Star game. Like, no, I'm not ready for the team to go to Nashville. And I get your point, like, let's not use taxpayer money. But, like, hey, maybe we just have an actual solid owner. I don't understand why public money would be used for a, a, a private team. As so I like said, maybe that just needs to change all around America. We don't need to be giving public money to, you know, billionaires. Today's a Wednesday. I can't go to guaranteed rate, which some of my taxpayer dollars went to pay for that. And still $50 million on the hook and just go in there and just chill out. You know, if I'm paying for something, I have access. I don't get free tickets to the new stadium because of my mm-hmm. taxpayer dollars 
because I'm in Illinois or Chicago. So I don't understand where I get the benefit of that. Now, as I said before, and somebody said it, infrastructure, I'm down. We get to use those roads. We get to use those trains all year long, 365, this year, 366. But I can't use the ballpark. And you're going to be like, hey, I'm just going to, as they say, privatize the gains and socialize the uh, financing. I'm not down for that. So find a new way. And I hope J.B. Pritzker and these lawmakers made that man go back to Chicago feeling head in hand and was tail between his legs and said, I got to find a new way. And if he, at the end of this, thinks Nashville and he brings up Nashville again, peace. Get out of here. I don't care. Get out of here. You shouldn't be talking about you don't think because the team is poor, that's why attendance is bad. What? Or find a mirror in your house, Jerry. Why do you think the team's bad? Find a mirror. There's been, what, five times they've been to the playoffs since he's owned this team? Is that real? 83, 93, 2000, 2005, 2008, no, more. So 2021, 2022, so seven times. Not that good. Seven times in almost 40 plus years. 40 plus years. And uh, uh, I think White Sox Tom brings up that he's 86 and his clock is ticking. Folks, he's four days away from being 88. He's not 86. He's no spring chicken. He's closing in on Luis Robert's jersey number. Uh, and I don't think we've seen a jersey number higher than Luis Robert Jr.'s. Like, this man is running out of uniform numbers to even have on the back <laughs> of his jersey to represent his age. Um, it, it's it, The clock is ticking. And I... I, I don't know. It's it's a lot of uncertainty that I think we'll probably readdress and think about tonight and, and, and bring back for tomorrow's show. That's going to be at 5 p.m. Make sure you're hitting the thumbs up button. Uh, Vinny, anything you want to add? Uh, I know, obviously, you weren't able to read that article before we went on air, but uh, anything gets related or spring training related that we didn't get to uh, that you want to bring up? Well, I can't imagine anybody really wants to hear about Nick Nostrini after all of that stadium ranting. So, okay. But so we can save that for another day. Oh, well, all right. That's fine. a tease. Yeah, that's a tease for, for tomorrow. Nick Nostrini talk. Uh, and Real Justin man. brings up a good point. Uh, I, I really should be, uh, what's it called, tar and feathered for forgetting about uh, Manny Ramirez off Max Scherzer in the St. Patrick's Day uniforms in the number 99. So uh, Manny, did, yeah, Manny did wear 99 with the White Sox. So I was wrong about the uniform numbers there. I'll, I'll take a lap. Uh, make sure you hit the thumbs up button. Make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube channel. We will be back tomorrow at 5 p.m. to not only talk about Nick Nostrini, but also to talk about Edgar Navarro. You're right, Luke McDowell. Uh, we'll bring up uh, the news on, uh, on on the White Sox right-hander uh, tomorrow. But that's Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Thank you to his work to interview J.J. Piccolo and Chris Getz. And that is Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at Ectorwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. And thank you to Sarah for producing the show. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 5. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Silly like the mayor. 